0: is is important and why on earth we even celebrate that Jesus was born but cuz we're talking about God's word there's nothing special about me there's nothing special about anything I could say it's only special because what I hope to communicate to you this morning is is what God has given us and so we're going to pray and ask him to help us to understand but also to appreciate what he's done for us in Jesus heavenly father We thank you that there is truly good news on offer at Christmas. There's good news on offer every day of the year. All because of what Jesus has done. Lord, we pray as we look to your word this morning that we would understand what it means to have a second birth and what it is that Jesus is offering and holding out to Nicodemus then and to all of us today. Lord, we thank you that you offer us the best news that applies to every single one of us. May we hear it, receive it, and rejoice in it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an expression I often hear people say, when they, particularly when things aren't going too well in their life, they say to me, I wish I could just start life all over again. I'm sure you've heard someone make that expression. However, every single person I've ever spoken to And I said, do you wish you could go back to day one, the day you were born? No one has said yes. Usually when someone says, I want to start my life all over again, they usually have a particular time in their lifetime where they thought, that's the point I want to go back to. And more often than not, there are two factors why they make that statement, I wish I could start my life all over again. Either it's a decision that they've made, a bad decision that they've regretted, and there's some guilt and shame associated with a a decision or an action that they made or sometimes it's because something has happened to them something completely outside of their control and they just wish they could go back before that happened and live a life where that didn't happen and unfortunately there's not much we can do about things that happen to us but it's a strange thing to ponder isn't it that Some of the things that we say we wish we could start our life all over again, some of the things that we hold on to the deepest guilt, shame and regret are things that we chose for ourselves. Sounds weird, doesn't it? That some of the things that we regret the most, we chose them without anyone forcing us to make that decision. At the time, we thought it was the best decision to make. What sort of person actually makes a decision to their own detriment. It's a bit weird, isn't it? But we all do it all the time. Like if it was a piece of equipment that performed in such a way to its detriment, we would say that piece of equipment is faulty. We'd say it was corrupt. We'd tell the manufacturer, you need to make this new because the way it currently functions, there's something wrong with it. Yet as we've examined ourselves, we realise that all of us do things we make decisions that we later regret. We choose things that we wish we hadn't chosen. We choose things to our own detriment. We we do things to sabotage our own happiness, our own joy, our own success all the time. There's something corrupt. There's something broken about us, we know that. There's something about us that needs to be made new. This Christmas, as Samuel has introduced, our theme for our messages leading up to Christmas are things we sing at Christmas, that we don't want Christmas just to be a time when we sing about the great joy and hope that's in a lot of the traditional carols, but a time when people find, experience the joy and hope that is on offer. And our focus song this morning, as we've heard, was Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and particularly that expression, born to give us second birth. It's a strange expression, isn't it? Born to give us second birth or to be born again. I don't remember when I was first born, but there was one thing I'm pretty clear on. It's not something I plan to repeat or have any desire to repeat. Even Nicodemus, this guy that Jesus is chatting with, is an intelligent man, he's a religious leader... But if different strokes existed before this exchange, he would have turned to Jesus and given him the, what are you talking about, Willis? when he said, you must be born again. But as strange and odd as it sounds, it's a really important truth that Jesus is communicating. Matter of fact, it's the very heart of why Jesus came and the very reasons why we celebrate Jesus' birth, Jesus coming into this world. Now at this point in time it could be very easy to think, I thought Christmas was all about Jesus being born, yet here we are looking at a conversation that Jesus had some 30 years later. But as amazing as it is that Jesus was born of a virgin isn't the good news itself. The reason why we celebrate isn't just the fact of, wow, he was born and there was no marital relations. We celebrate because of who was born, why they were born, and what it means for us. So as we look at this exchange between Jesus and Nicodemus, I'm going to look at why would anyone want a second birth, what is the second birth, and how can I be born again? So the scene begins with Nicodemus a senior religious Jewish leader coming to suss out Jesus. Now, he's not unusual in that sense. As you read through the Gospel accounts, you see, Jesus often has lots of crowds around him. Even though people had very different views of who Jesus was, they were all agreed about one thing. This is not an ordinary, everyday bloke. There is something unique about him. And so even Nicodemus comes to find out Something about this Jesus who he recognises is unique. Specifically in the second verse he says, I know that you are a teacher who has come from God. And all this stuff you do, there's no way you could do it unless somehow God is with you. And then Jesus' response seems to us a little bit strange. Jesus answered him saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus Answered Nicodemus? Did Nicodemus even say anything about the kingdom of God or about being born or born again? How is Jesus answering Nicodemus? Either he's conversationally challenged or there's a reason that makes sense. It could be that Nicodemus has recognised that Jesus is a teacher. So Jesus has taught. Or it could just simply be that sometimes things are so important to be said that you don't wait until the conversation goes to a natural segue to raise that into the conversation. I know one of the greatest ethical dilemmas in my life is what do you do when you're talking to someone who's got a booger hanging out of their nose? I know there's that that immense debate, particularly if it's only little, do you point it out and embarrass the person? Or do you pretend to ignore it and try really hard not to look at it, knowing that they're going to talk to other people? I still don't know what's the right way to address that one. I I struggle with it on a daily basis. But if someone's got a a redback spider coming up, about to crawl into their mouth, that's not something I wrestle with. I will tell someone that you've got a redback spider about to crawl into your mouth. Likewise, if I've got some really, really good news that you need to hear, I don't hold back and think, Oh, man, this conversation's not even in the ballpark of what I need to tell them. I'm just not going to say it. You, you tell them if there's good news to be told. And as Nicodemus hears Jesus' words, he recognises there's something valuable here. There's something really important. There's, Jesus had said something about seeing God's kingdom. Now, the way he talked about it was a bit weird. It's something about being born again, but I want to be able to see God's kingdom I don't know what being born again is, but whatever it is, I want to know about it. So what is a second birth? We'll talk about the how of a second birth a bit later. Other than it just being some way by which we can see God's kingdom, what is it? Well, we're familiar with the concept of birth. We use it as a term all the time. We're familiar with children being born of being birthed. We talk about the birth of a new product birth of an idea, we're talking about something which formerly didn't exist coming into existence. And there's a reason why Nicodemus and all of us need to be made new, because there are two significant ways in which every single one of us was corrupt. Firstly we need to be made new because we don't have peace with God. The idea that I'm generally nice, therefore God, if he's any good, we'll be at peace, we'll all be sweet, we'll be buddies, It's not the way that God reveals himself. As we were singing heart, the herod angels sing, we sang a line, God and sinners reconcile. We understand reconciliation. It's when two parties, when there's some hostility between them, are brought together. But it requires and implies a hostility to begin with. Because we're not the same as the first human beings created, Adam and Eve. Because when they were first created, they had perfect relationship with God. They had peace with God. We're not born that way. Even they decided to turn their back. They shunned God as being their God. They said, no, I want to live my way. I want to decide what's best for me. Thanks for all the stuff you've made. But I want to be the one who decides what I do. That's effectively what sin is saying, God, I don't want you to be God. I'm calling the shots. I don't want you anything to do with my life. And the Bible says we inherited things from those first few humans who were born, who rejected God. We inherit their nature that, by nature, we don't like the things about God. We don't want there to be a God who has anything to do with the way in which we live. But also we, we carry on an inheritance Just as God said to Adam and Eve, if you turn your back from me, you will die, both physically and spiritually, so too we share that same common inheritance. Unless there's a major intervention, one day we'll all stand before God and have to say, yeah, I have wanted to live my own way. I've denied you, I've rejected you, I've rebelled against you. And we'll have to take the consequences for that. But the second reason why we need to be made new is because we're also corrupt in the way which we think. Because I just talked about, unless there was a major intervention, Jesus was that intervention. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because this was God coming to us in human flesh, not to give us what our sins deserved, but to take the punishment for our sins on our behalf so that we could be reconciled. To God, And that's why universally that symbol of a cross, people recognise that is the symbol of Christianity because on that cross was the place where Jesus took our punishment on our behalf so that we as broken people could be reconciled to God. And you think, well, if this is the deepest answer to the big problem of every single person ever, ever born When people hear it, they just must love it. They must lap it up. They must flock around it. But we know by experience that's not true, is it? If you've talked to someone about what Jesus has done, some people will think you're an absolute idiot. And the Bible says the same. It says the message of the cross, that is the message of what Jesus has done to save sinners, to those who are perishing, it sounds like foolishness. It sounds like the most stupid thing you've ever heard. But to those who are being saved, it is the very power of God. So, when in a gathering of people where it is explained the gospel, what Jesus has done to reconcile us to God, to deal with the problem of our rejection of Him, you'll have two groups of people. Some who think, this is the best news I've ever heard, I need this. And other people who think, this guy is off his rocker. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it's not because one of them's smart and the other one's a bit of a thicky. It's just that two people who are both by nature naturally hostile to God, not desiring God, not wanting him to rule their life, but one of them being changed, being given a new life to be able to see the goodness and the need of a saviour. So we need new birth, to both to be reconciled and to see the goodness of of what Jesus has done. But how can we be born again? If you're looking for a checklist of, okay, if I tick this, this and this, you might be disappointed. Maybe. And I'll come back to that maybe in a minute. But how many of those who are here contributed in some way to them being born the first time around? Anyone? Anyone contribute to their birth into this world? Very talented Sarah at the back there. I'll get you details about that one later. Yeah, to their own birth, not to the birth of their children. Yes, Yeah, I don't need to explain the mechanics of that. We can have a chat later here if you really need to know. (laughs) Um, But the idea perplexed Nicodemus greatly. Like, he's like, how? What do you mean born again at can a man go back into his mother's womb again? I bet he was glad to find out the answer to that question was no. But Jesus wasn't talking about a physical birth. He was talking about a spiritual birth. Like later on, he actually makes the connection. He says, don't marvel that I said to you you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. He uses the two terms interchangeably. He hears it born again, Later, born of the spirit. That it is something which God by his spirit does to give us new spiritual life. Because we were born spiritually dead, meaning that by nature we don't want God to have anything to do with our life. We're even actually hostile to the idea of there being a God and we are blinded to the idea that we need a saviour. So we need to be given spiritual life. Just like if you've ever watch any of those medical shows and people's heart rates stop, that person requires someone else to act upon them to give them a second chance at life. Now, I did say if you're looking for a checklist, you'd be disappointed. Then I said, maybe. Not because I'm going to backflip and say, yes, there are a list of things you can do and somehow God will be impressed. But even if you ask that question, if we are by nature opposed to the idea of there being a God, and if we are by nature blind to the concept that the gospel is indeed good news and we by nature perceive that to be foolishness, if we're even asking that question, what can I do to have this? we would express that we are desiring this very thing that nature tells us that we should consider it to be foolishness unless God has begun A work within us. So if you're asking that question, what can I do? That's a pretty good indication that God has started begun doing that work within you. So what is that God wants us to open our eyes to see? Well, Jesus explains it this way: verses 13 to 15. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So he's saying. Son of man, he's speaking about himself, saying, the only person who's ever come down from God, from heaven, is me. And this is what I've got to say. And just as Moses was lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now that may sound almost as strange as the thing about being born again. But who's Moses? What's he got to do with him lifting up a snake? He's referring to a story in the Old Testament. By a story, I mean... It's a real event, but something that happened in the Old Testament. When Moses is leading the Israelites through the wilderness, there was a time that because of their rebellion against God, God sent them consequences, which was he put some snakes amongst them, poisonous snakes. But he didn't just do that. He also said to Moses, build a pole and put a bronze snake on it so whoever's been bitten by the snakes will look upon that snake and live. And we see something of the nature of the character of God. Of a God who is by nature just, as in he must respond and have consequences for rebellion and rejection against him. But he's a God who provides the means of salvation. Now, I imagine every single person who was bitten by those snakes would have been running to that bronze snake. There would have been parents picking up their own kids, picking up other kids, putting them up on their shoulders, Say, look at this snake, look and live. And this is the picture Jesus picks up on. He says, just like that, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This is the Jesus we celebrate at Christmas, who came into the mess of our world to a people who were destined for death, he said, I will be that saviour who is lifted up and all who look to me, who trust me as being the only hope for salvation from that death, who I will give eternal life. All who come to him trusting he's the only means will be reconciled to God. We don't only need to be made new to see the need for the good news, but we are given a new spiritual life. Jesus described it as an eternal life. The Gospel writers say that all who believe in him, he gave the right to become children of God. Not just forgiven, we become part of God's very own family, to know him, to be in relationship with him, to enjoy the blessings of following him, and to one day be with him for all eternity. You know, there are times I wish there was a strong crossover in that snake analogy. There are times I would just love to be able to pick someone up and say, look at what Jesus has done. I love you. I don't want this to happen to you. I want you to enjoy the good things that God, Jesus has provided for you. But we can't do that. What, what has Jesus said? Unless someone is born again by the Spirit. So rather than dragging people, rather than saying, you must do this, what do I do? I pray and ask God, God, I need you to make people alive. I need you, you to show people the goodness of what Jesus has done and our need for it and your good intentions for us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish here. We're going to pray. If you already know Jesus, you could choose this as an opportunity to pray that and give thanks to God for what he has done for you. Or maybe even use an opportunity to pray that God might grant new birth to someone that you know. Or if you're hearing this, then you're thinking, I don't personally know Jesus yet. Yet there's something compelling about that, this message, I want to know more. We would love to talk to you about that. But let's close in, in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is a wonderful thing that we can call you our Heavenly Father because as we've just heard, all who came to believe in Jesus We have the right to become children of God. That you love us as your very own children. That you even lay down the life of your son Jesus in order to bring us into your family. We thank you that your every intention for us is for our good. Lord, we pray that you would bring new birth to a people who do not know you. That you would help us to open our eyes to see the wonderful good news that a Saviour has been born who has dealt with the hostility that has kept us from you, that we can be reconciled to you no matter what past we've had, no matter what guilt or shame, either by things we've chosen or things that have happened to us. We thank you that He came to pay the price once for all to bring us to God. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue in our Things We Sing at Christmas series next week. Uh, Our song we're going to focus on is Joy to the World. Samuel will be speaking on the Sunday. And we're about to conclude and come together as we sing You Alone Can Rescue.